So uh, I don't suppose anybody have been following the events in Israel. Um, is there one or two of you that have been maybe looking into that? So um, part of what I'm going to share today has a lot to do with the situation in the Middle East in the sense of how we should conduct ourselves. And it's always how we should conduct ourselves, but we're in a new season, I believe, in the whole world of testing and trial. And uh, I think many of us are aware of how uh, crazy this war could be, um, how it could expand rapidly, how it could involve every person in this room in a very intimate way uh, quite easily if left unchecked. And so the amazing thing about Christians, there's two amazing things about them. First amazing thing is God listens to their prayers, so they shape world history. Second thing that's so amazing about Christians is they don't pray very much. See, half of you weren't even listening. So the first thing is your prayers shape world history, including whatever is going on in Israel and what's going on in your backyard. Second thing is, you don't know that. Most people don't pray like that. They don't think they have that ability. And actually the truth is, uh, that's exactly who we are. That's why it's going to be very, very difficult to do anything over the top of the prayers of the saints as long as they're doing that very thing. And the prayer that Jesus taught to pray is, is, uh, is overwhelmingly uh, powerful for the whole world. So, first of all, we get to say, Our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing thing? <laughs> I got a daddy, and he lives in heaven. Is the Bible just going, wink, wink, our Father, kind of our Father? No. Because that fatherhood, that relationship was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That makes it serious. Jesus died for the whole world to come into relationship with him. And those that choose to come in relationship with him also have unusual access so much access that we get to call a dad our father, God our father, and uh, and that intimately. And so sometimes uh, I've found, with regard to many of us, and me too, from time to time, I just don't walk in the reality of that. I don't walk in the reality of, of what my prayer makes a difference. For the whole world, that's even like, whoa, are you kidding me? But then down into my own life especially if it's been a long time since you, you've, you've had an answer over a specific issue, it sort of wears you out, right? Especially if it's intense enough. And so when we have, if you look at the top of the page, it says, lead us not in temptation. You could say this another way, lead us not into testing or trial. So I love that part of the Lord's Prayer, and I just picked that out as the title, because what I'm going to share about is some things that I think are very important for us in this time for our own individual lives and for the whole world. So we are responsible not only for the testing that goes on in our own life, which we're glad to pray and ask God to release us from, right, especially if it's negative testing. And then, but then there's also this other thing, and that is responsibility for prayer for the world, for the whole earth, right? We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. I don't care how far you live away from Israel right now, you have something to say about what goes on there, right? And so uh, we can all know, I think most of us are geopolitically smart enough, or maybe you're not, I don't know. I'll smarten you up real fast. 
that conflict in a faraway land several thousand miles away could turn into something in your backyard so disastrous, so debilitating, so horrible you can't imagine. So that's why you should be praying for the situation in the Middle East. And also it's just right to do. People are dying, there's mess, and it's just a horrible thing that's going on there. Just a lot of death and destruction and all of it, and we turn from channel to channel trying to get the latest news and everything. But I think what's really important in this time is for us to be getting the latest news from heaven. How do you want me to pray today, Lord? What should I say today? How should we pray together and individually? How should we pray as families for the situation? Because it's not just a situation in Israel. It's a situation that could easily encompass the entire earth. And already does in some ways. It just hasn't rolled into that. And we don't want it to roll into that, right? We don't want it to become like that. So why don't we just take our water and put it on the fire now before it comes into something global? You don't think you have that kind of authority. Well, you do. That's part of our problem. So we don't understand who we are. That little prayer that you pray beside your bed, everybody in heaven hears, especially the Father. They're listening. And I don't understand why the Lord works this the way He does, but somehow or another He arranges it so that not only is the world dependent on His grace, but He uses us to deliver the grace, which is a big responsibility. And we see that in words like, we're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. I think bride and body are like, the Bible says that, like, this is absolutely true. So I think, like, if you're the body of Christ, how much closer do you want to get to God, right? If you're the bride of Christ, wow, you're married. You're married to God. The church is married to God. The church is His body. He cares for His body. He cares for His bride, right? And so, but more than that, even just beyond that, He puts us in charge of things. He tells us, he wants you to, us to operate like He does. He wants us to operate at that anointing, the power that He has. He made a divine handoff when He left. He said, go therefore and preach the gospel in all the world, to all the nations, right? Baptizing them. All the nations, all the ethnos, every tribe, tongue, and nation. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but in these days and times, we are closer to all the nations than we ever been in the history of the world. There's more people in the history of the world but the gospel is almost in every little corner of the world now. Strange places you've never even heard of are hearing the gospel. And that's happened in the last 10 years. Unbelievable blanketing of the gospel in Muslim nations. Muslim nations you don't think has a gospel witness. There's no Muslim nation that does not have a, a, a gospel witness. And I would say in most of them a thriving gospel witness right now as we speak. So we find ourselves in this difficult situation. We have Israel on the one hand and all these other nations, uh, Muslim nations at war, but there's people of God in both nations in growing proportions. You wouldn't think there would be very much influence in those nations, but it doesn't take much. And by the way, if you know anything about world evangelism, which most of us don't, the nations of the world are being exposed to Jesus Christ on a level you wouldn't imagine especially in a little nation called Iran. <laughs> That's the other story. You're not going to hear it on the news. Maybe in Christian news. But there's the most amazing thing going on there you can't imagine. So on the one side we've got all this talk and everything. On the other side we've got the gospel moving around in the nations doing incredible things. 
things that have never been done in history, whole people groups, millions upon millions that have not had the gospel in their land, in their area, their territory, until the last 20 years. And many of them in the last 10 years. It's amazing. So this world, well, it looks like it's going down, you know, you could see the flame of destruction. You also need to be paying attention to the flame of fire, the gospel fire, the Holy Spirit fire that was let down on the day of Pentecost and is still burning brighter and brighter with every year that goes by. That's the rest of the story. That's the story that people don't tell. So the thing is, who's really shaping the world today? It's the prayers of the saints, right? So we have an opportunity to shape, once again, a crisis that uh, is in the world today and actually use it for the glory of God. How about like this verse? God causes all things to work together for good, for them that love the Lord and call according to His purpose. That's in your life as a promise, which sometimes thinks, how in the world are things working together for good? But that's your promise to lay hold of. But could I broaden it? Because the people of God have not left the planet yet, we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. Um, that's, so sometimes when we take that word, a saltier light of the world, we say, well, it's a little tiny light, especially in a place like Saudi Arabia. How could that be, right? Oh, really? <laughs> well, that light is getting brighter and brighter, and the fact that there's a light there at all, or in these other nations, is the most amazing thing you've, you could imagine. For centuries, these nations were locked away now, in the last even 50 years, we've never seen anything like this. So this is the story you're not going to hear on the news. This is the story we need to pay attention to and the thing we need to pray for, right? But it turns out that there's something else what I'm going to talk about today. And that is, not only is there physical believers, right? But there's the influence of believers that reaches around the world. So your prayers don't just stay in Los Angeles area, or Laguna Niguel, they go around the world. So as the body of Christ grows, the prayers are going, we're, th we're literally delivering weapons of warfare. We're, we're, we're dropping bombs on the supernatural powers that are in authority that are really causing these people to work like little puppets underneath their fingers to carry out the murder and the genocide. But there's somebody else coming. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he doesn't like this. And one thing that he does is he uses us to do it, come into these situations. And by the way, there's thousands of hidden believers in this crisis right now, praying like crazy, being the light of the world on both sides of this conflict. In Gaza, now, as we speak. In Israel, as we speak. There's little lights there, but their lights aren't so little because God's given them access to a throne room of grace. And they're there witnessing and sharing. And what's going to come out of all of this is something greater, something more amazing. Now, I want to just turn my focus to some atomic weaponry, okay? I don't mean the natural. I want to need the supernatural. So we're going to talk about supernatural weaponry here a little bit. And Jesus, I'm going to read from an odd place in the Scripture. It's Jesus in Gethsemane, right? And I want to just read these verses because they're very much uh, appropriate, I believe, for today. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That doesn't sound very triumphant. <laughs> Matter of fact, the eyes of those, uh, ears of those disciples, this, this is like a disaster because they sh still didn't grasp who he was or who they would be. They still had no idea, right? That's important I just said there. They don't know who he was. They didn't know who he was and they didn't know who they were. They thought they did. 
But that was just going to be some kind of party, you know, and everything. But strike the shepherd? What do you mean by that? What do you mean? Right up into Gethsemane, they had no idea what in the world was going to go on. And it felt pretty bad for a long time as they got deeper into it, right? This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So as we begin to read through these verses, what we're going to begin to see is the backwardness of the kingdom. How things look so backward sometimes as you look at them, but then they begin to play out. The situation in the Middle East looks really backwards. It doesn't look good at all. It's bad, 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 right? We're worried about all kinds of things. You know what makes a difference in this, as we're going to see in a moment? Your prayers change the tide of the whole thing. There's not just a few believers in the world. And they're in every nation, tribe, tongue, and, and, tribe and tongue. There's, there's, there's believers right now, I know for a fact, in all those Palestinian camps. They're there. Jewish believers, Arab believers, it's amazing. And so that's not told very much. And these guys, like, are persecuted many times, but they have something going for them that I want to just really make sure I impart to uh, us. They're on the site. They're helping where they can, but one of the most powerful things they're doing is they're praying over this situation that they're in the middle of. Praying for people, praying for against the powers and authorities above that are causing this. They are truly the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The thing about salt is when you put it down there, you can't see it, but you can taste it. I'll guarantee you the taste, the flavor is going to change in the Middle East in little pockets, little areas. Already I know some of the people that are right on the edge of this thing. And it's amazing. And as I go in this, I want you to see something. As we look through this story, and this is Jesus in Gethsemane, it looks like the end here, but it was really the beginning. So really, it looks like the end in these places, but it's just the beginning. And Jesus has a specialty in doing that. Where it looks like the end, it's just the beginning. He says, this very night you'll all fall away on account of me. And they couldn't believe it. No way. I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And they're going, what, 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 what? What do you mean risen? What do you mean by that? Peter replied, even if you fall, if, if all fall on account of you, I never will. Whoa. He was being brave, audacious. He didn't really know what was about to happen here, right? And he was relying in a way on the confidence that he had in a certain arena, but he didn't have like... In his checkbook, there wasn't enough money to cash that check, right? Because internally is where this battle is won. That's why it's so exciting as I get into these internal things. You can do that from right here. So I'm enlisting you into this war, but I'm enlisting your internal self inside of you that counts that secret life with Jesus that asks him to change and rearrange things. What we need to do is not just watch the news, but if you watch the news, let it give you ammunition for how to pray and what to pray. Right, And don't forget the prayer part, because we're going to see we're every bit a part of this. We just have to do it with unseen things, unseen weapons. Who would have known, even to where we are right now, that so many Jews around the world would be coming to Christ? And Arabs, too. Never before. 2,000 years of history. That's the setting for all this. More of those warring parties and their own cultures are coming to Christ than ever before and the other 2,000 years before. Can you imagine? So we got something crazy going on spiritually and then something the enemy is trying to stir up and cut off, right? And bathe with complete hatred. 
Peter replied, you know what? If anybody falls away, even those other guys, you know, they fall away. But you know me, I'm a warrior. I'm going to never, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Whoa. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples in a place called, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now here's a very interesting thing. He's about to go and die. He knows, he's known from the very beginning, his very purpose to come in the world would come to a place like this from the day that they prophesied to Mary and a sword will pierce your heart. His mother knew, he knew from the beginning that this day was coming, right? So why pray? It's going to happen, so why pray? Very, very good question. We're going to try to answer that as we move through here. Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and, and keep watch with me. He just needed a friend. He needed somebody to be near him. You know, he, these, these disciples were his joy, and he just needed people. I don't know why people do this, but um, people get in trouble, and they think they don't need people anymore. Or they pull away, or they isolate. The Bible says he who isolates himself quarrels against all sound wisdom. You know one of of the reasons why? Because the prayers of the saints make a difference. And when you isolate yourself, you cut yourself off from the prayer. You're not, it's not aware. You you know, when I get in trouble, I'm a big blabbermouth. I'm blabbing all over the place. I'm a big baby, you know, right? But in a way, there's a certain wisdom to my babyishness, right? It's that a word? Anyway, there's a wisdom to this. Because I understand I need other people and that prayer counts, right? He needed someone to watch with him because in his humanity he he knew he was about to face a horrible thing and he needed to have the strength to go through with it. His spirit was alive, but as a man there was this other part of him that was faltering, you know. Maybe we couldn't say it faltering the way we would. Maybe we could. I don't know. I don't understand all that. But the fact of the matter is he wanted somebody to keep watch and stay with him. Pray with him. Isn't that something? The Son of God, the one that created the whole earth, came in the flesh, knew exactly who he was, healed the sick, raised the dead, knew it. He needed somebody to stay close and pray with him. Hmm. If he needed it, I wonder if we just might need the same thing. Well, you're going to find the answer to that is overwhelmingly yes. Because the way out of most problems, especially if they're serious, is the prayers of the saints going before God and asking Him for a change. Well, the extent that you can believe that individually and in your family and in your church is a place where you'll find great success and great comfort, even in the time of weakness. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? What's the use? Why, why stay? If you're going to die anyway, why keep watch? Let them sleep. Because prayer is this communication. It's this, there's this relational component to God. And not everything looks like it is, right, on the outside. Even things that were happening in that hour. He needed the strength to do what he needed to do, to shed blood and raised from the dead for you. He needed that strength in his humanity. He felt the weakness. And these guys, these guys that are falling asleep, he chose them and they're going to help him? 
Oh, my, the glory and the majesty of the Lord. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you just keep going? Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm. Anybody found your, spilling, your, your uh, spirit willing, but your flesh is weak? You don't want to know what the antidote to that is? Watch and pray so you don't fall. Well, what do you mean? Well, you don't just will yourself through things. You need help spirit. You need God to help you get through your stuff. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Disciples, you're coming to the most dangerous point in your life and you have no idea what's about to happen. You know why you have no idea? Because you haven't been watching and praying. You've not been paying attention. And then, now that it's upon you, you need to pray more than ever that you'll have the strength to get through, to make the right response. And he was praying that he'd have the strength because he knew what the Father wanted him to do. But he needed the strength to do it. And oddly enough, as a pattern for us, he turned to his other disciples to get some of that strength, his best friends on on the planet, right? They didn't do so good. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. So he's settling this thing. He's going to go to the cross. He's just praying through it. When he came back, he again found them sleeping. They're not helping any because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. So he's checking back with headquarters. And I, I really like that. He's being persistent with the Lord. He just wants, you know, he's just trying to get strength at the same time, cope with this reality that's on him. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, as we read through these verses, um, he said something about falling into temptation, right? And so, watch and pray. This is verse 41. And watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, falling into temptation means to fall into this place of failure, to fall into a place where you, you know, you're you're prying, you're you're trying to you're trying to resist, trying to resist or you're trying to respond the right way, but it's difficult, right? So the Greek word for temptation can mean testing or trial as well. It's not just temptation that kind of puts it on the side of like, you know, being tempted to do something wrong. But really, when we talk about falling into temptation, we can say, Lord, uh, we ask the Lord, and he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into testing or trial, so that you won't fall in the trial, and that the trial, in some cases, would be removed altogether. So there's two nuances there, right? Either the temptation, we pray this way, it's another way of saying, Lord, deliver us from evil. So we pray that the Lord would either deliver us through it or get us through it. Either way, right? Both of those are true. So this, this, this line in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not in temptation, is a very powerful line. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, Lord, lead me not into a testing place, but deliver me from evil. But if I'm in that testing place, Lord, let me succeed and get through it the way I should, the way you want me to. May I be amazingly victorious in getting through it. Now, the thing is, God doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. You can see that on your outline, James 1, 13 to 15. He doesn't tempt us, right, to do this. There's plenty of this all around the world, right, and in the world. But the opposite of entering into temptation or testing is to be delivered from evil. And so either deliver completely from the evil one and it goes away, 
or be delivered in the midst of the evil and overcoming it, right? So avoiding a trial altogether, you see that on your outline. So that's one way. And the other thing is enduring a trial. Now the interesting thing about the Bible is both are, are true, and there's spectacular examples of this that we should be paying attention to, right? So let's talk about avoiding a trial altogether, asking to be delivered from harm. In other words, you're facing something really bad, and you're asking God, Lord, completely get me out of this mess. Have mercy on me, right? So let's look at 2 Kings 19. I want to tell you some amazing stories, and I just want to show you how far this goes. Now, Jesus, obviously, the Father's will was for him to go right through it. So he did. And he overcome. He just did a different way. How do you, how do you overcome all this? But I know. Yes, that was how he got through it. But what happened ultimately? Did he die? But what else happened? Three days later, he resurrected from the dead. Surprise, boys, I'm back. <laughs> right? <laughs> you see? So the end of the story isn't always the end of the story. And this is one thing I'm learning about God. Sometimes the end of your story, when you're in Greek crisis or problem, is so, so shocking and surprising what God does for you. How he solves the problem is just amazing. God's incredibly creative, right? Sometimes we go right through the center of it and we get delivered. Sometimes the thing's there, it's breathing down our neck, and boom, it's gone. God takes care of it, right? So let's read a couple of stories about both. We know the story about Jesus, how he endured, and then he resurrected from the dead. But look at this story. It's 2 Kings 19, and I want to read from verses 9 to 28. So now Sennacherib received a report that Turkahaka, whatever his name is, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. So he sent again messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, so this is this pagan king, saying to Israel king, Hezekiah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be given to the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries. And they had been messing every country up, just like marauding, going through the world, right? Smashing everybody, especially kingdoms larger than Israel. And will, you, and will you be delivered? This, this king's writing this nasty letter. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessor deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Resif, and the people of Eden who are in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Lear, Sepharim, Hena, and Eva? And I probably massacred all those names. But anyway, let's go. All right. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers. Now listen to that. This is one way we deal with trial. All right. This is one way we get out of trial. He spreads the letter from the messenger. He, he spreads this. He received this letter from the messenger. And he read it. And then he went up to the temple and he spread it out before the Lord. Ooh, great picture. Spread it out before the Lord. Just have your time. Go close the door. Go in your closet. Say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. And even in that self, it releases faith to do that because you're, you're automatically making a transition from where you're at to a higher power. To, to You're giving it you're, you're sending it upstairs, right? But just not some weirdo hell upstairs like, hope I hit something. No. No, he, he spread out that because he'd had a history by, of doing this with the Lord, which is actually something very important for us. Before you slay Goliath, many times you have to spare, uh, you have to, before you kill the Goliath, many times you have to kill bears and lions. They're like the training ground for lots of things in your life that come your way, right? Little things, little things, little things, and then the big things come, right? So he's already been through these things, so he takes this stinking letter he's getting from this enemy 
He spreads it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. That's a good way to start out. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. Now, he, he, I don't think he was aware that he was ridiculing the living God, but he was God's kid. So you're God's kid, bought by the blood of Jesus. When ridicule or suffering come from Satan or from others, you're still God's kid, and you're special, and you're unique. Never forget it. That's why you don't have to retaliate or react the way people do. You're, you're somebody special. You're unique, right? So let's read these verses. Give ear, Lord, he says. Here, open your eyes. This is another way of saying, lead me away from testing, Lord. He's doing this way. Lord, eliminate this thing altogether. Get rid of this thing. Remember, Jesus told us that's what we should be praying. One of the parts of the prayers, lead us not in temptation. So it can go one of two ways. Sorry about that. Janice, would you call David, just in case? <laughs> okay. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they are not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Wow. When Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, then Isaiah, son of Amos, this is the prophet, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, this is, it's amazing how these people are in the same place that all this war is going on right now, right? This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises you and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. Wow. So they came against you. But when they come against you, guess who they're really coming against? Because... Oh, God, your father, remember that? And your king. Our father in heaven. That's one of the most powerful things you could ever say in your life. You're saying something like, my dad is over everything. I'm addressing him for my needs, right? I like that part of the Lord's Prayer. Thank God it's not just our king or our great majesty, but our dad in heaven. Hallowed be your name now. I got this problem. Your kingdom come, Lord. Let your authority come into this situation. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom you have raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. So you attacked his kids, but you really attacked him. By your messages you have ridiculed the Lord, and you have said with my many chariots, I have ascended the heights of the utmost... The, uh, the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest parts, the finest of its forests. I have dug wells in foreign lands. I drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. You can hear this same arrogance in the nations today. You can hear it. You listen. Just listen to what they say. They, it's, the arrogance didn't leave. They didn't learn anything yet, right? Have you not heard long ago I ordained it, and the days of old I planned it, and now I have brought it to pass, that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone? Their people drained of power and dismayed and put to shame. They like, they're like plants in the field, like tender green shoots, like grass sprouting on the roof, scorched before it grows up. But I, and he goes, you did all of that, and I'd let you do it, because it's part of a greater plan. But this is what I want you to know right now. I know where you are. <laughs> And where you come and go and how you rage against me. 
Because you rage against me, and because your insolence has wrenched my ears, I will put my hook in your nose, and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. Wow. So it turns out when you attack God's people, you're dealing with something more. That more hasn't left, by the way. But we're God's people, and even more unique people, way than anyone who hasn't received Jesus Christ, even a, a Jew who hasn't received Christ. They're his people, but we're the new and better version, right? And God's got that for them too if they'll repent and come to Christ. But there's a specialty, specialness about them, but there's a specialness to us, the body of Christ. So God's taking this. He's, he's actually, what did he do? He spreads the letter out before, Lord, look at this, look at this. Just think about what you can do. You might want to write it down and spread your letter out there. <laughs> Lord, look at this. My husband's sick. My child's sick. My business is going down the drain. I don't know where to live. I don't have a house. Spread it before the Lord. That's another way of leading us not in temptation. One way God gets us through is He actually gets us past it, right? And then sometimes we go right through it in a different way. But nevertheless, this is all part of the biblical record, right? 2 Kings 20, 1 to 6. In those days, listen to this, Hezekiah the king, he became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Now, these prophets that said stuff, that always came to pass. So can you imagine a prophet who every word he ever says comes to pass and he says, you're going to die. Put your house in order. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd have kind of been tempted to crumble a little bit, right? But look at this King Hezekiah. Look what he did. And God liked it. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Listen to this. <laughs> he prayed to the Lord. He says, Remember, Lord, how I have faithfully walked, how I have walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah, now listen to this, had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you'll go up to the temple of the Lord. I'll add 15 years of life to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Syria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David, he says. <laughs> so the guy spreads a letter out. Before he can get out of the court, he says, ah, I changed my mind. Is this possible? Now, this is before the blood of Jesus covering your sin. This is an Old Testament covenant person. This is a New Testament covenant person who's got the blood of Jesus covering his sins, right? Wow, what an incredible story. Jonah 3. Let's look at Jonah. Anybody know that story? <laughs> That's an amazing thing. And every which way, the grace of God is unbelievable, right? So here's the story of Jonah. Jonah hates the Assyrians, some of those same people we're talking about. He hated them so bad, God told him to go to Nineveh, right, and tell them to repent. But he didn't want to go in case they did repent it, because he wanted the judgment of God to fall on them, because he hated them so bad. Now this is God's guy wanting the judgment to fall on these pagan nations, right? Not like the best day. He, was, he wasn't having his best day. So you know what happens. 
that gets on a boat and he goes the exact opposite, as far away as he can, through the Mediterranean. He's going the exact way. God told him to go east. He's going west. <laughs> and the ship sinks, or, or the storm comes. He gets, ends up in the sea, and the whale swallows him. You know that story? And, and then somewhere while he was down there, he repented. And the whale burped him up on the shore. I would have loved to have seen that burping thing. I would have loved to see crawling out. And he reminds me of me. He comes out of that place. He's got these things. Woo! Okay, it's on to Nineveh. I'm going. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, Lord, please have mercy on us that we don't have to get swallowed by whales that do your will. He was just trying to get him to go. These people, he had a word to give him. He changed his mind while he was in the whale. He thought, okay, I'm going to do... Now, first of all, what a grace this is. God sent his man anyway and didn't kill him, right? But he took him a little ways and just to show him who was God, right? And then he goes and he starts preaching. And it took him days to get through the city, this wicked, wicked city. The worst city on the planet. But God sent him, right? And guess what happened? They repented. <laughs> And he was mad. <laughs> so, God, let's look at this, verse 30, 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. And Jonah gets angry about the whole thing. Remember? And he's sitting down outside the city hoping God will change his mind and destroy this place. All oh, the mercy and grace of God. But the whole thing is God's still in control. He's still using his people, and he used them to spite themselves to dispense his mercy and grace to the world. Every tribe, tongue, and nation God's offering this to, right? And we have something to do with it. That's the majesty of all. Why go through Jonah? Why mess with him? You know, why do the whole thing? Just go right there and like put a big voice. Hey, you guys down there, you better repent or I'm going to throw you know what on you. I'm going to kill, I'm going to destroy everything. Now, if they would have said that from heaven, they would have repented, I'm sure. But what did he do? He, he sent this simple guy. That's us. He sends us to do this stuff. Why does he send us? I don't know. It's a miracle. It's a mystery. It's crazy. I don't know why he would do such a thing, right, even today. But you want to know something right now? God's people are in Gaza as we speak. I know some of them. I know of some of them. They're right there. They're right on the border. And I'll guarantee you they're doing God's will. They're dispensing the grace of Jesus Christ. Just as fast as the enemy is you know, causing pain and sorrow and murder, there are people seated in that land right now that are doing the will of God, praying for the sick, healing people, delivering them from evil, giving shelter, giving money. It's the glorious, wondrous body of Christ because if God is anything, He's a God of compassion. But when we get in these places, it's amazing how much pull we have got with God, how much He uses, how much He wants to use us in these times, right? Look at 2 Samuel 12, 19-25. So here's something interesting. So David sinned terribly. He got a guy killed because he wanted his wife. He took his wife. God caught up with him. So he said, you know, <clears throat> this child that's going to be born from your union is going to die. But here's a very interesting thing. Now, in this situation, David fasted and prayed. I mean, the word of the Lord came, clear as a bell. It's going to die. But he had been through this with the Lord before. He had been in these difficult struggles, so he knew that he had pull with the Lord. 
he knew that there was something in him. When he prayed, he knew something happened. So he thought, well, maybe just one more time God will give me grace and that, 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 you know, it'll be okay and, and I don't have to be punished for this, right? So he's fasting and praying. But then the worst comes and he gets this news. Look what he does. It says, he noticed his attendants were whispering among themselves. He realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he's dead. Then David got up from the ground, and after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Isn't that amazing? He was the cause of this. And he could have been bitter toward the Lord, said, I'm not having to do with you anymore. I'm just sick of this. You could have saved him. You know, didn't you? Where's your mercy? All that. You know, he just goes, well, I guess that's the Lord. Then he went to his house, ate, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, why are you, why are you acting this way? Why are you doing this? Well, he, he reasoned, well, you know, while the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you, you get up and eat? He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? Now, this is, makes diff- David and us so different. What I mean by that is we need to be like him. Even his own sin, even his own failure. I'll tell you what, I've been delivered from so many of my own failures. But every once in a while, one of them bit me, right? Could bite you. And so he's fasting and praying, even though he knew he made a mistake, because he knew of the grace and the mercy of God. He knew of his access. That's what we have before the Father, even more because of the blood of Jesus. We have this amazing access. So he's explaining to them, you know, why'd you stop? Usually you fast and pray because you're, you're, you're in sorrow. But David was fasting and praying because he thought he had a chance with a merciful God anyway, even though he screwed up really bad in this situation. Well, the funny thing is, God did repair the situation, just wasn't with that baby. He gave him many more child after that. And, and the one that came from the one he sinned with became the king of Israel, one of the greatest kings Israel had ever seen. But God had to discipline him. Then he's, This was his reasoning. This is why I fasted, fasted while the child was alive. Who knows? Look, just listen carefully. I pray, Lord, that this would just come inside of all of us. This, this understanding of God, of the gracious of God. He said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then shortly afterward, he gets another word from the Lord. He says, okay, this one that's going to be born to this woman, he's going to be the king that succeeds you. Oh, the mercy of God. He finds a way to be merciful, even in these horrible situations. But are you getting this access to God? David had been through so many trials, so many troubles, he understood the process, the access to God. In this case, God said no. In the case of Jesus with the Father, he said, no, you have to go through this, this time. But in the end, it all works out. The grace works out. The mercy works out. You can't, you can't, um, you can't snuff the mercy of God in these situations. It's like this divine play that we're before, the, before they're playing out before the principalities and powers. Call on the name of the Lord. Call, call on the name of the Lord because of His great mercy, because of Jesus on the cross who gave us this access to the throne of thrones, the King of kings. So this thing when we pray, lead us not in temptation, is a powerful word. And on one side it says, lead us, lead us not into temptation means, Lord, remove this trial. Lead me not into a place where I'm going to get into testing. Or the other side is, if I get in this testing, Lord, let me be victorious. But either way, get me on the other side of this. Lead me away from testing and trial. And you get to pray that in the name of Jesus. What an amazing thing. So if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 to 13. Listen to what he says. So we're talking about being, lead us not in temptation. There's two nuances to it, all right? So look at this. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. 
These things happen to them, that is, Bible characters like Jonah, as examples and written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. Mm. So when we get in this place of problems and issues, he will find a way. He'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's always a way out. And it's so important that we understand this. Lead us not into temptation means there's a way out of this situation. God will choose the way with Jesus. He knew it meant he was going to the cross. But he was still in there crying out to God, if it be your will, could you change this? What a model between God the Son and God the Father. He's still appealing for the mercy of God because he knows that's the way he normally acts. But even when he was going to experience the trial, he knew there was going to be mercy anyway on the other side. Mercy is like bookends. It goes before you and it goes after you, no matter what happens in between, but especially for the people that understand how God works. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful and not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, in other words, remember tempted? It means when you are tested. It's the other meaning. It can mean tempted or testing. It can mean trial. When you're in a trial, He will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Lord, I'm just going to pause here for a moment. I don't suppose anybody here is in the midst of a trial. So if you're in the midst of a trial, just in case there might be one or two, you might want to raise your hand right now. Okay. No, keep it up. It's okay. So now I want you to pray with me. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm, you don't have to pray after me. Let's just, Lord, I pray for everybody who's got their hand up. I pray you would help them find the way out of this trial in Jesus' name. I pray you'd help them to find the way out. You said in your word there's a way out. So, Lord, I pray you'd help them find a way out. Lord, I take these trials, everybody that's going through, whether it's a physical problem or it's a job problem or it's an issue with their children, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, you would lead us away from temptation and testing and out of this trial into your grace. Lord, we just give it to you. We, we take part in the answer to our very life question in Jesus' name. And Lord, if it should go the wrong way, no matter what, we'll still trust you. But we will not stop praying. And Lord, uh, we will throw all our weight on the goodness of the Lord. That's what David was doing. I throw my weight on, even though I screwed up, even though I messed up. Lord, I throw my weight on the goodness of the Lord and the grace of Jesus Christ. All right. So if you look at number two on your outline, the remedy for falling into temptation is to what? Anybody paying attention? Watch and what? Pray, watch and pray. So, Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch Watch and pray so when the pressure is on you, you will not fall. You will succeed. You won't make the wrong response. They weren't ready. Temptation was coming. In other words, trial and testing was coming. And they ended up denying the Lord. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. So sometimes things are so heavy that it's even our own faith that's at question, right? So why this is why it's so important, especially in these days, to continue to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Look over your life. Lord, watch and pray. Lord, lead me away from testing. Lead me away from trial. Lord, help me get through this trial. Either nuance, 
Remove it or help me get through it, but transform it or help me get around it, whatever it is. But Lord, so the thing is, there's such tremendous potential and grace here, especially when you're in trouble. This is why one of the key things I've believed about the Lord for so long is just the faith part of our life is so real and so powerful, more powerful than most people could imagine. The Greek word for watch means basically to be alert and mindful of dangers. The word is derived from agero, which means to arise or waken. Wake up! You know, you could go to sleep in the midst of all of this bad news. Do not go to sleep. Do not go to sleep. That doesn't mean you have to watch the news every day, night and day. Do not go. You know what? That might got reversed. You might just worry more. The average person. But do not fall asleep. What's upon the world now is more dangerous than you can imagine for every person in this planet including the ones in California. You're not outside the grasp of the danger of what's going on right now. So don't fall asleep. Pray. God, have mercy on our nation. Lead us away. Have mercy on Israel. Have mercy on the Palestinians. Have mercy on the Jews. Have mercy, Lord. You're in a unique place to do that, right? Because why? He told you to watch and pray. Your sons and daughters. Let's don't fall asleep at the wheel during this time. What you say, what you pray, makes all the difference in the world. It's always prudent to watch and pray because our real enemy behaves like a roaring lion. This is 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, prowling for someone to devour. So there's the lion, demonic lions, looking for someone to devour, right? And our antidote is being alert, right? Because sometimes we can avoid problems altogether, right? At the least, our prayers are to resist the enemy and his way and make something good happen out of a difficult situation. There are seasons when trouble is more pronounced. Jesus warned his disciples about the impending trouble and not to fall away. You know what that word literally means when he says fall away? It literally means to be scandalized. You ever met a person that's been scandalized? Have you ever been scandalized? There's a huge number of people right now that are scandalized over the events of the last few years because of the politics of the day. Okay, so listen, Christians. No matter what you think of our present government, whatever you do, internally, do not let it scandalize you. You know, scandalize, it comes from this interesting word. It's like from a bait trap. You take the bait and you fall into the trap. Do not fall in the trap of being scandalized by anyone or anything. Just keep your prayer button going full blast. Ask God to change whatever, but you cannot do it while you're under the, ba- the, bo- the box. You know, this trap, I used to kid, I used to do this in the desert. I put a little trap and I'd have a little stick, and the little blizzard would come in there and hit the stick, and down comes the box. This is not a day for you to complain and be angry and stomp your feet and all of this to be scandalized under the box. That's not going to do anybody any good. Where your real mouth should be is, God of heaven, in the name of Jesus, change the situation because that's not right. There's a line there, and you can't go into that other territory, right? Because some of these people aren't acting so good today. We'll be believers tomorrow. <laughs> God's shaping all these things. And if we ride this wave right, we could be the most help of any people on the face of the earth, Christians all over the earth. We could be leading people to Christ through this situation and in this situation, both in the Middle East and here. It's a divine opportunity. The whole world's unstable. When the world's unstable, that's us, right? The safest place to be in these days is a place of watching and praying and doing the things that are closest to God's heart. Uh, I think prayer is close to God's heart, don't you? (laughs) 
She just spent a lot of time talking through that one with him, didn't he? I want to just read a couple of things that I think are closest to God's heart. And it's sort of the business I think we should be about in addition to this business that we call prayer, right? So let's read uh, out of Isaiah chapter 61. Listen to these words, okay? This is part of the business we should be about in this day and this time, in addition to this amazing uh, possibility God's given us to pray over whole countries and whole nations and ask God to change and rearrange the atmosphere. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart. This is our job description. This is the opposite of falling into temptation, falling under a box, being offended about every turn, and thinking your life is over, or your situation's over, or your house is over, or your job's over, right? It's never over. When you have Jesus, it's never over. He can change that situation in two seconds. The question is whether you're going to be under that box or not, scandalized, angry, upset, right? This is your job. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart and proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. That description is Jesus' description, and that's your description. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's what we carry. Look, don't despair. Don't worry. God has you. He's got you covered. They will be called oaks of righteousness. I want to be one of those. How about you guys? A planting of the Lord. I don't want to be crawling under some rock, offended at every little news item I get across on the paper or by every other leader's stupid statements. I don't want to be angry and upset and like the whole rest of the world. No, 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 no. I want to be an oak of righteousness for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Rebuilding the ruins already. Leading people to Christ. Encouraging. Giving food away. All the mighty body of Christ. We're not missing in action. There are people in that territory right now. Pray for them. They're doing a great job. Because you know what they're doing? They're rebuilding the ancient ruins. They're restoring the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities. Who's going to renew Gaza? Oh, I don't know. Probably better raise some money. You know, maybe maybe the government could help. Do we really want to raise up Gaza? You know, us Christians are going to renew that place. We're going to restore it. Us. That's what we do. We renew ruined cities, even cities that have been destroyed because of their own ignorance and stupidity. Didn't have a sense enough to repent. They have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. That's our us. And you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations. And in their riches you will boast. Ooh, I like that one. What about that other one? This one's pretty good. How about that? Instead of your shame, church, you'll receive what? Anybody reading this? You look like you're stunned. Are you tired? This is good news. How much do you get out of this time that we're in of shame and, and war and wringing our hands? Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I don't know what everybody else gets, but I get a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. 
And you'll inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, just, I love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among all the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord is blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. Everybody's got garments of salvation on here. Most of you anyway, right? That makes you special, unique in every possible way. Beloved, clean, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, set aright in your family, ready for all kinds of blessing. Because you've been robed in a robe of righteousness. And what's your robe of righteousness? The blood of Jesus Christ is your robe. That's what makes you clean. Right? As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden grow, causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. Whoa. I don't hear very many people talking about that right now. Could I read that one again? Is that okay? I'm going to read it anyway. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the what kind of Lord? Sovereign. All-powerful over Jews, Arabs, Americans, Swedes, Russians. But they got nuclear weapons. So, so the Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. He wants us to spring up before all the nations and cause the nations to praise the name of Jesus. That's what he's asking for us. And he's got the authority to deliver that through us and to us. What an amazing, beautiful promise. Isaiah 62, the first verse is, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet till her vindication shines on out like the dawn. Who's praying for Zion and Jerusalem right now? I hope all of you are. That's the will of God. Her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You'll be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You'll be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or, or name your land desolate, but you'll be called Hephzibah, how do you pronounce that, and your land Beulah, which means married, for the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. As a young man marries a woman, young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God will rejoice over you. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem, there's a, several hundred of them sitting right here in this room. God's posting the watchmen on the walls all over, in Israel, outside Israel, right? God did it. God did it. Take your place in that wall. Pray for Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. Pray for the people of the earth. That redemption would go from one end of the earth to the other. I have posted. God did it. God is doing it. Will you take the challenge? Will you receive your commission? I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. Wow, what happens when that happens? Give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, never again will I give your grain and its food for enemies, and never will Again, will foreigners drink her new, the new wine for which you have told. But you, those who harvest it will eat it and praise the Lord. Those who gather the grapes will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Oh, anyway, it just goes on and on. What a beautiful section of Scripture. What a commission for us as the church and for God's people, right? Guess what the other commission is? Matthew 24:14, my favorite verse in the whole Bible. This one will come to pass no matter what. In this gospel of the kingdom, 
will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. When will the end come? When the gospel has gone throughout all the nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation. So what happens in Israel? What happens in Saudi Arabia? What happens in Bhutan? What happens in Thailand? What happens in the Soviet Union? All this is your business, because he ain't coming back. I don't know why I said ain't, but anyway, he's not coming back until <clears throat> the gospel has been preached to all the nations. In other words, it's taken root in all the nations. There's a representative of Jesus in every nation. There's a flourishing church in every nation. There are nations still in the world that haven't even heard the first time. But we're trying to remedy that, and it's being remedied at a pace that's so scary. That's how you know. You want to know how you're in the end times? How far is the gospel permeated into the world? And every year that goes by, a new nation, a new area of the world gets opened up on a speed and a scale that nobody has ever seen in the history of the world, and we're living to see it. I hope you know that. If you don't, I'm telling you right now. That's the other side of the story, the other side of the warfare, the other side of the pain. There's such glory being released in the world. Things in tribes, tongues, and nations that resist it, including Muslims. Muslims. Here's the, here's the dark little secret about Iran. They don't know what to do with all the Christians that are emerging in the land right now. They don't know what to do. It's getting serious. Because there are so many people coming to Christ in that nation. That's why you need to pray for all the nations of the world. All of them. Because nobody's going to escape this. It <clears throat> doesn't matter what carry. North Korea, South Korea, they're all there. They're in North Korea. The people of God are in South Korea. They're everywhere. And this day and time, and especially in places that you would think would be so dark and not possible. So let's look at Roman numeral 3, discerning the times. This is not a day to depend on past peace and prosperity as if nothing is happening in the world around us. Everything that's happening right now in the world around us, including Israel, affects every person in this room. Didn't you notice, have you noticed? And this has been happening for, you know, 50 years. The world shrunk. It shrunk. Everybody knows everything about everybody. Right? And every opinion. This is a day to believe and pray for the impossible. To believe and pray for the impossible. This is a day to make solid relationships and work together. Can I just say that? I want to just say this uh, to us as a church because I'm speaking fairly cosmically. But as I get down toward the end of this, I, I, I want to just read a couple of scriptures. It's so important for us at this time. It's not only important that we learn to take the fast track to heaven, to learn to be prayer warriors, to learn to pray God's will over the nations, but it's also important that we find each other relationally. Because in that relationship, interestingly enough, what happens is prayer just accelerates. Because where two or three gather together in my name, there I am. There's a special thing that happens when, when I pray for Celeste there. You know, and I pray with Celeste for something. Right? Or if I, I pray for with Janice or Michelle or Don. Jesus, I pray you'd deal with Frank right now. I pray you'd heal his body and deliver him from this horrible cancer. Don, I'm agreeing with you personally right now, us too, in Jesus' name. All the congregation, well, Lord, we pray you take him out of this horrible situation. It's life-threatening. In Jesus' name, deliver him from evil. Have mercy on him right now, Lord. Wherever he is, I pray the mercy of God would fall on him. <clears throat> and on a man that nobody knows right now, in this place except a couple of us, Dan. Lord, have mercy on Dan as he's fighting for his life in the hospital. I pray in the name of Jesus you would intervene in his behalf. Lord, I pray you'd save him from this terrible sickness and illness and pain he's in, in Jesus' name. Wow, you know, it doesn't take much to, to do that. 
You know what it takes to pray like that, just for each other like that? It takes faith. And and it's really important. As we look together, this, this the prayer possibilities, the thing that we can do just with our tongue, even to faraway nations, praying over Israel, praying over uh, praying over Gaza, praying over Saudi Arabia, all these places. Please, as you watch the news, judge carefully, but don't let it take away your voice and your prayer for the nations. There's a lot of terrorists, including the Apostle Paul, that became Jesus and became the greatest witnesses in the history of the planet, right? (laughs) I have a feeling some terrorists are about to meet Jesus. And it's going to be amazing, right? So here in our time, let's read a couple other passages. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If any of them falls down, if either of them falls down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. This is why you need Christian friends. You need believers around. You need family, right? Alas, also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This is the times we're living. This, these passages become ever more relevant. The 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 the, the the more history unfolds uh, before us. These are really critical uh, passages for our day. Proverbs 18.1. Let's just read this. Proverbs 18.1. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends, and against all sound wisdom, uh, self-judgment starts quarrels. In other words, not being relationally connected, always being selfish, and it's all about you, <clears throat> you quarrel against all sound wisdom. You... You, another way to say this is you quarrel against, not just qu- starts quarrels, but another version of that is quarrels against all sound wisdom. And then verse Matthew 6, 14 to 15, For if you give other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. You know why you don't want to be unforgiving? You don't want to lose your prayer voice. When you don't forgive other people, God holds you at this certain place. And you don't, who wants to be in that place? Isn't it easier? Just let them go. If it has to do with your prayer life and has to do with getting stuff from God, right? Don't hold on to grudges. Don't hold on. If you forgive others, you know, God will release you. It's so important. This is really, really important, right? Uh, I want to just talk just a couple more scriptures as we go here because they're really important here at the end. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 3. Let's read uh, verses 12 uh, to 13. I love these verses, these last few, and I just want to make sure I get them in here before I, I stop, okay? Do you have that? Uh, I see where it is here. All right. All right, everybody. Hebrews 3, 12 to 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turn away, turns away from the living God. But, okay, here's what we do instead. Um, and this is an environment where it could easily be you could turn away, you could disappoint, discourage, disgruntled. But listen to this. Here's our mandate. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we get alone and beat up, we get hard. And when you get hardened, it's disaster for your life. You get hardened toward God, you get hardened toward one another, and you're going the exact opposite to the answer for your question, to your questions. Could I just say this just a little bit? I, I watch this happen a lot. <clears throat> Sometimes we fall into despair or hardness, either one. But neither one of them is crazy 
when you're walking with the Lord. You may have to wait a little bit, but don't give up whatever you do. Don't let the world make you hard and discouraged, right? And when you see another brother, try to help them out of that as best you can. But it's really on us. You can do a lot of things wrong, but don't harden your heart toward the Lord or toward other people because both of those are your provision. Both of those are the way out of your situations, right? If you look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, I want to read these verses. They're so powerful, 11 to 16. Let's all stand. Psalm 133 says, How blessed it is that brothers dwell together in unity. I love that phrase. But it's toward this end. Listen to this. So Solomon builds a palace before the Lord. Right? I mean, a, a temple before the Lord. And a palace. But a temple. Right? And it was a special place because this was the center of Israel's worship. Right? Now it's changed now. Who's the temple now? Us. All these human beings. The Bible made a switch. He illustrated a lot of things he wanted to do by having a natural temple. Now he has a supernatural temple with people filled with the Holy Spirit, right? But the people of God do similar to the things that the people of that day did. This was all before Jesus because Jesus became the temple of God. Jesus was the temple. Jesus was sacrificed for his sin and he made us into one house together with this amazing ability to represent him in the world. This is what we're talking about today, to represent him in the world to be the salt and the light of the earth. So he's telling us, Solomon's talking to the Lord about, uh, I mean, God speaks to him about this temple. But think about it like us, the temple, right? Everybody got that revelation? We're the temple. The Bible says they move from earthly temples to, and this is a church, but the real temple here is the people of God, right? So this is what we have to say about things in the world, right? And things around us. So God appears to Solomon after he builds this temple. He says, you know, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Did you know because of the blood of Jesus, this temple has been chosen as a place for sacrifices? Us together gathering. And then that's what he says. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, listen to this, if my people who are called by my name, that would be everybody here in this place, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, wait a minute. It may not have been my fault that locusts and all this junk out. I didn't cause the war over there. I didn't, ca- I didn't cause this. But nevertheless, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. To heal their land, no matter what the other people do, I'll heal their land. For the sake of my people, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. That's how dramatic this is. That's why Jesus called you the salt of the earth and the light of the world. When he died and shed blood and rose from the dead, he, was, he bought this people who would be able to do this in the earth and represented him. Well, millions of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. This was in the Old Testament temple, but you know from the scripture that that was just a forerunner of the New Testament. So guess whose eyes are open and ears attentive 
to whatever is said in this place this morning. Even said about distant nations, distant places. What you're saying about your own family, your life, the healing you need today, over over your job. Now my eyes. I'm just going to say this to us today. Now my eyes, God's eyes are open and His ears attentive to the prayers that are offered in this place right now. I have chosen and consecrated this temple. What temple? Well, that was the Old Testament temple, but it foreshadowed something else. This temple. All the people gathered together in Jesus' name are called the temple of God. And even your own life individually is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God's chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. That's what Jesus bought on the cross for you. He bought a place where as always his eyes and heart would be attentive. He bought a people, a chosen people, no matter who they are, from every tribe, tongue, and nation, Palestinians and Jews, Russians and Americans, Swiss and Brazilians, all the people who call on the name of the Lord. His eyes are attentive. He sees. He hears. Do not give up your glory before the throne of God to make a difference in the world, both in your church and beyond our church. Lord, right now we pray over this situation in the Middle East. We pray, Lord, that kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a fancy way of saying, God, bring your authority, bring your people, bring your will, bring your peace, bring your healing. Lord, salvation break out to the right and the left and nothing contain the mighty revival, the mighty move of God. Be on your servants there, those servants there that are being faithful, those servants that are risking their lives at this very moment, this very moment for the good of others, that are being salt and the light on the ground. But we as salt and the light in this temple of the Holy Spirit cry out to you, God. Hear our prayers. See us, Lord, as we pray for the Middle East and for other lands and from personal needs we have. Some of you have brothers and fathers and sisters that are not in a good place. As you cry out today, may you hear, Lord, about them. Some of us, Lord, in the live stream have issues. We just couldn't even, we couldn't even make it here to church because of the issues we're dealing with. Lord, have mercy. We are your temple. We are the people of God. We are born again cleansed by the blood of Jesus and we stand in absolute holiness and ask you Lord for change over our lives individually and for the lives of others around the world Lord Lord we pray for the peace of Jerusalem we pray God for the rest over that land in Jesus name Palestinians get saved Jews get saved every kind of stripe and kind of nationality gets saved what the enemy meant for evil I pray God you would turn to good I pray you'd raise up your reluctant Jonas in that area Lord and send them out Lord, from the north to south, the east to the west of those lands in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray you would put down evil authorities and you'd raise up godly ones, Lord, in Jesus' name. Even in our elections, we pray the same in our own country. We pray your grace and mercy over us and over all the world, Lord. We stand like kings and priests right before you today, asking, Lord, for the peace on the earth, asking for your gospel to go to every nook and cranny of the world in Jesus' mighty name. I feel such grace for people in this room that uh, may feel a little desperate over your situation. Just quickly come down to the front if you feel that way. You just you just need a change. You need a change. You need a job. 
you need God to heal your body. You need a uh, you need your family to come back together again. Just come right up here to the front. Don't be don't be afraid. Just come. If I could have some of our worship our prayer team come up with us, just come up. All of you, just come right up here to the front. We'll turn the camera off in a minute. Don't worry about it. Just only get the back of your head anyway. Don't worry about it. Oh Lord, I got such grace on me. Oh my gosh, I know some miracles are going to happen today. This is going to be a good day. You, do, you, you go before the Lord here, and then we'll, we'll circulate around you, okay? Ministry team, you can just start circulating. And if somebody says, would you like me to pray for you, let's pray for them. I just want you to keep coming, keep coming. I'm going to pray one more time, but I want to pray for all of us. Make sure we're covered. Your life is about to change in a really good way. I mean, better than you've ever seen before. Come here closer. So the Lord made you. He made you to be prosperous and to make money. But he didn't make it for you to make the money for yourself. He made it so that you could prosper other people and make a difference in this world. From this moment forward, I place an anointing on you, an unusual anointing to make money, to do well in material things. And may the Lord use you mightily to be a champion for the poor and the weak. May God make things happen to you that you could not have imagined. May God move you forward in your careers in ways that you couldn't have imagined in Jesus' name. Now somebody said, oh man, if you would just pray that over me, I'd be so happy. All right, if that's what you want, but I just prayed over that man, lift your hand up real quick. So Lord, that prayer, I prayed over him. I pray for everyone that wants that, everyone that I said over him, everything I prophesied over him, I prophesy it over all the rest of us. Lord, if you've got the desire to prosper and do good in the earth, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord help you find nooks and crannies and businesses and opportunities and ways to do it. May the Lord make you the head and not the tail. May God give you grace upon grace. May God heal your marriages and your families. May God help you with your careers. May He move you forward in Jesus' name in a way you can't imagine. And as you cry out to the Lord in this temple of the Holy Spirit, may God hear you today in every way, every nuance. For you that are praying for your children. May God answer your prayers. For you that are praying over your health, may the Lord come and deliver you from evil. For you that are praying for jobs and situations, may God bless you. For you that are praying over your marriages and a broken heart, may the Lord heal your broken heart. May the Lord deliver you in Jesus' name. As you do business before the throne room, I pray, God, there will be an open heaven over this place. You would open the heavens. Lord, you would open the heavens fully and completely, Lord, as we ask you and intercede in prayer. God, break through. Break through in Jesus' name. So here in this place, you guys just do business for the Lord as we worship a little bit. So people may come up to you and pray for you. We call those ministry team and ask you what I'm to, if you want them to agree with you in prayer. That would be great. I'll do that. Just keep doing it. Just keep, spend some time. You can eat later. Just spend some time with the Lord. Just give him 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes of your undivided attention here. The people of God. May God deliver you from evil. Lead you away from testing and trial. And out of the messes you've been in. To a new season of your life. Amen.